This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Jell-O. Mm-hmm. And this one goes places. Oh, it goes a lot of wibbly wobbly places. It does. Mm-hmm. And we could have gone to a lot more places. Oh, we just yeah. had a pretty rousing discussion right before <laughs> this. <laughs> About all the different types of Jell-O molds and different Jell-O Star Wars pun ideas we yeah. could do. It's... It's a whole big jello world out there. It it really is. Mm-hmm. Was there any particular reason jello came to mind? I've been wanting to do this episode for a while and it seemed like the time, you know? It was I was like, let's do a brand, and then I was like, oh man, jello. <laughs> yes. And it, it's definitely a fun one. Uh I have to say I'm not a big fan of jello. I don't like dislike it. I just never want jello. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a thing that I crave. Huh. Okay. Um it does remind me primarily of when I got my wisdom teeth taken out. Oh, and that was yeah. a really bad experience for me, but sure. I could only eat jello. Uh and jello shots because I threw a big <laughs> jello shot face. <laughs> oh no. In college. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Black cherry jello shots was the most popular and I've sure. learned through this research black cherry jello is not the easiest to find. Really? Okay. Um mm-hmm. well, uh I like I had a friend a little bit post college who was kind of obsessed with creating like the most alcoholic jello <laughs> shots that would still firm up 
and not only oh. into shot format, but into larger mold format. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was a whole scientific process to figuring this out. Wow. Um, which I really respected. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Jell-O person now. I loved Jell-O when I was a kid. I was so into it, specifically Jigglers. Uh, like, when I realized that you could make just, like, firm, handheld Jell-O, that, that, I was the most into that. Mm-hmm. Um, we would buy the unflavored, like, Knox gelatin and uh, use fruit juice to make it. So, like, my parents weren't that mad about it. <laughs> they were like, well, <laughs> this isn't the worst thing we could feed this child. Uh, and and then, of course, right, I had on, uh, as we talked about in our ASPIC episode, I'm sure uh, my, my, my grandma Malou um, would make a jello salad for, for, for dinner a lot of the time. Um, like the side salad for dinner would be like some lime jello with shredded carrots or something like that in it. And, uh, and I have very fond memories of that as well. Yes. And this led to an interesting conversation between me and Lauren. Uh-huh. Because you have this story. I have a story wherein um, <laughs> <laughs> a different, very different story wherein one of my best friend's moms, when I was growing up, she was my neighbor. Um, and I was eight or nine at the time. And I came over and she quite proudly presented to me this big dish of orange jello with chunks, not shredded cabbage, chunks of cabbage in it. Um, and this was okay. the main course. Yeah. Okay? It also had orange juice in it. Okay. okay. So or orange, I every time you tell the story, I feel like I only have more questions. I <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> orange, like sweet orange jello and orange juice. Mm-hmm. And now you say chunks of cabbage. Like Yes. Not like leaves of cabbage. Like wedges. Like wedge wedges. How yeah. large? I mean, they were small, okay. smallish wedges, but they were wedges. Wedges of cabbage. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was green cabbage. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was and this was dinner. This was it was the whole this meal. was this was flat out. This was what dinner was. Yes. And you know, I was a child. Uh <laughs> And I, but I was very polite. I was a very polite child, but I just remember her showing this to me and being like, put a smile on your face, Annie. Don't be visibly grossed out. (laughs) Yeah. I'd Uh, never seen anything like that either before. That was like my first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, I. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, I lay awake at night trying to parse this out. I don't know. (laughs) My. My best theory, and I have thought a lot about this since the first time you told me about it, too. Yes. <laughs> Talked about this with other friends. <laughs> yes. It's haunting. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, but so my, yeah, my, my best theory is that, uh, is that like a side of jello salad was something that this nice lady had grown up eating um, in her parents' household. And that she had these fond memories of it and that she just mm-hmm. went like what if that was the whole dinner i'm an adult no one can tell me that this isn't <laughs> a whole dinner and so she just did it um because mm-hmm. you know no one could tell her no <laughs> and no one did even though that was a very <laughs> silent meal i have to say 
Um, <laughs> I, I told you, I gave you a further, I think you're probably right. I think that's true. But she's also somebody, I'm still, I still know her, uh, who like the, the meal is less than the deal. No, right, right. So she right, likes right. to get a deal on things. Yeah. It's a really cheap meal she made. That's better than the taste of it to her. Sure. Yeah. So no, I'm I guessing mean, she didn't spend much on this. Yeah. Meal. No, there are priorities there. And for sure, I mean, you get a you get a on sale head of cabbage. Mm-hmm. I mean, she fed like six of us. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, my friend who her mom is the one who made this dish. We're still like best friends today. And I texted her all these pictures of aspics and she was getting progressively more angry. At me. Like, so gross. Why are you doing this? And I was like, don't you remember when your mom made us one essentially? And she was like, oh my God, I'd blocked that out. Oh, wow. Oh, oh no. You're, <laughs> you're yeah. unleashing memories. I know. I feel like we're covering a lot of ground right now. Like, even here, yeah, we haven't mm-hmm. even started yet, really. I uh, know. Yeah, and and also, like, I was thinking about it. Um, my my dad was uh, on again, off again, a, a chef or a cook when I was growing up, and um, his like when when he had to make a uh, cake, he his like secret recipe. I'm just giving it away, definitely involved, um, uh, like, packaged pudding mix because oh, mm-hmm. it helps add, like, a like a moistness to the cake that's otherwise, like, a little bit tricky to get the texture right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I talked about that in our uh, gingerbread cookie episode. Right, When we make gingerbread right. cookies, we use the butterscotch pudding mm-hmm. mix, and it's so mm, good. It's yeah. so good. It's delicious. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Well... Clearly, we've got a lot to say about this. Um, <laughs> and yes, you can see our Aspic episode mm-hmm. for more. And I think our Popsicle episode, I couldn't find it in our archive. But I know we talked about somebody who was inspired by Jello and was determined to make a product like Jello. It might be the Popsicle one. I think we talked a little bit about some of this stuff in marshmallows. Too. Yeah, the collagen, gelatin kind of stuff in marshmallows for sure. I, we talked about that in our oxtail episode, but that's a little bit less related. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Definitely our uh, special effects episode. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess this brings us to our question. Oh, no, goodness, I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Jello. What is it? Well, uh, Jell-O is a brand of gel-based desserts and dessert mixes, uh, sometimes also used for savory dishes, but generally sweet and meant to be served and eaten, usually chilled. The product lines include uh, fruit-flavored gels and dairy-flavored puddings and or pie fillings, and the brand centers on, like, convenience and affordability and nostalgia and, like, fun, like, like simple pleasures. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's this really entrenched American like everyman brand. It's like if it's like if Superman jiggled. <laughs> I I'm not familiar enough with TikTok, but there's a TikTok <laughs> joke that could be made right there. <laughs> well, I am also not, so y'all are gonna have to fill fill us in. Um <laughs> Uh, the brand is currently owned by Kraft Heinz, um, and it encompasses a couple hundred products. Um, 
But the bread and butter, the original, are these boxed gelatin dessert mixes, uh, which consist of a powdered gelatin, flavorings and colorings, and some kind of sweetener, uh, sugar or, or otherwise aspartame or something, um, all in a single packet contained in a box the size of like a large deck of cards. Um, so what you do is you dissolve the contents of the packet in hot water, then add cold water, refrigerate a few hours until firm, and then you've got this like soft, translucent, colorful gel that melts in your mouth. Uh, yeah. Uh, flavors uh, that are currently on the line include cherry, black cherry, lemon, lime, orange, orange tangerine, mango, peach, apricot, watermelon, grape, raspberry, strawberry, strawberry banana, blackberry fusion, berry blue, blueberry pomegranate, tropical fusion, and island pineapple. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Okay. A lot of that's new to me, but all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it can be made in, like, individual cups or in, like, larger, pretty molds that you uh, can release into a standing jelly cake of sorts. Um, uh, and I'm, like, making a wiggle motion with my hands yes. as I describe this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you can add a fruit or vegetables, yes, um, or, like, firm it up in different layers or, um, or uh, cube up uh, some sheets and then mix those into different layers together to create uh, combinations of flavors and visual effects. If you have never Googled Jello mold, I need you to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Immediately. No question. No doubt. No oh hesitation. Oh my goodness. Zero. You have to do it. <laughs> and we were talking about this beforehand, but like, but like Jello imagery is is a fractal. Okay, like like the more detailed you get, the more details there are. Like yes. you can zoom in infinitely. So try <laughs> try your weirdest combination of search terms and see what you come up with. Report back. Yes, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, some of these flavors are also available um, pre-made in little refrigerated snack cups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not all. Oh, no. Um, their boxed pudding mix line. Um, these contain cornstarches. Flavors and colors and sweeteners, uh, all in a single packet, again. Um, and these come in two basic varieties. Uh, cook and serve, which requires you to heat the contents with milk. And instant, which can gel up with just cold milk. Either way, refrigerating it will set it to a firmer gel, uh, yielding a uh, soft, creamy, and like slightly wiggly pudding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flavors there currently include vanilla, French vanilla, vanilla bean, chocolate, chocolate fudge, white chocolate, devil's food, red velvet, butterscotch, caramel, lemon, strawberry, pistachio, banana cream, coconut cream, Oreo cookies and cream, pumpkin spice, tapioca, and cheesecake. Again, this is, that's quite a list. I didn't know there's you know, so many flavors. Spend some time in the jello aisle, Annie. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why that felt like a threat to me, but okay, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I will. <laughs> oh, heck. Um, uh, these can be served uh, alone as is or uh, layered into like pie crusts or trifles, often with other things like uh, sliced fruits or, or cake or cookies or whipped cream, stuff like that. And yes, several flavors also come in pre-made snack cups, um, plus some flavors that I don't think are available as boxed mixes, like um, Dulce de Leche and Unicorn Magic Cupcake. 
Okay. I don't know what that one is. <laughs> it's like lavender, I think. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, huh. there are also some uh, like grown-up aimed cups in a line called Temptations, uh, oh, <laughs> including yeah. including strawberry cheesecake and lemon meringue. I forgot about Temptations. Yeah. I think we, we parodied that in our uh, yogurt video. Oh, a bit. oh, yeah. Huh. I read this one article that suggested it was trying to suggest that Jello sales have been have been sliding because of dessert alternatives like Greek yogurt, and I was like, "Pardon me." <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's this this temptation, like because I think yogurt has that too. They've got their like key lime pie. Yogurt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want, go for it. But let's not kid ourselves. I I like Greek yogurt as much as the next guy, but holy mm-hmm. heck. Anyway, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but wait, there's there's still more. Um, there's also uh, what's basically. Puddings that are meant specifically to be made into pies and or bars and come packaged in like kits with uh, crumb crust mixes and toppings. Uh, Generally, these call for you to take the uh, packet of crumb crust uh, and mix it with some melted butter, press it into a pie tin or cake pan, uh, then separately beat the filling with cold milk and layer it into that pan with whatever toppings might be provided. Um, either corn or potato starches and cellulose gels help firm up the fillings. Um, they're a little bit more solid than your typical pudding mix. Um, flavors here include uh, cheesecake with options for like strawberry or cherry or no topping, um, jet puffed s'mores, Oreo bars, and pumpkin style pie. <laughs> oh, interesting. Pumpkin <laughs> style. <laughs> Okay. Not enough squash to count as a pumpkin pie, but pumpkin Mm. style pie. (laughs) Okay. Sure. (laughs) Uh, The brand also produces a few like kits for making like layered pudding desserts themed around like dirt or beaches or whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, kits for making firmer handheld gelatin cutouts, those jigglers. Yeah. Um, uh, different, different, different molds and stuff like that. Yes, we did find some old, uh, Star Wars themed jiggler molds when we were talking about it earlier. I think this is, I think this is underway. I think that. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I yeah. didn't know what a jiggler was. Oh this man. This to me. This but they seem like they're very popular, or they uh, were. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, yeah, I think we're gonna have to in this ever expanding, stranger <laughs> meal we're conducting, planning. I think we're gonna have to have the Star Wars jigglers. Okay, all right, we can make this yeah. work. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh heck, um, but yeah, yeah. These these products are kind of just the beginning. Like there are just a ton of recipes out there from the brand and from home and commercial kitchens um, that use these products to add texture and structural support to cakes and fillings and frozen desserts and chilled snacks of all kinds. Um, as we've talked about before, um, sort of in brief, gelatin is just a really useful thing in food chemistry because it solidifies, it like freezes at around uh, 95 degrees Fahrenheit or 35 Celsius and melts above that, which is why things like jello melt in 
your mouth, which is hypothetically a couple degrees above that. Um, <laughs> uh, thus delivering this like flavor payload like directly to your tongue. Um, mm-hmm. Gelatin is a protein made up of these long, friendly chains of amino acids. By friendly, I hear mean that they are super willing to bond up into like complex three-dimensional matrices at room temperature. Um, and they're also happy to form bonds with water molecules weekly uh, when the temperature is cold enough, like a little bit colder. So what happens is y- you add gelatin to warm water. The warmth makes all of the gelatin molecules slip and slide and wiggle apart from each other. And then as they cool, they chill out and grab up water molecules and cling to each other in complex patterns, uh, trapping the water in among themselves, which is what happens when you get a jello mold. Um, if you warm it up again, say in your mouth, uh, all the molecules slide away from each other again. Um, Gelatin is itself flavorless, but anything soluble in water, those flavorings and colorings, will come along for the ride. You get gelatin by breaking down collagen, um, which is a long chains of amino acids that are twined up together. And uh, this occurs as a connective protein in and around cells that gives them flexible structure. It's especially prevalent in uh, skin and tendons and bones, anything that needs to be kind of flexible. Yeah. Um, So when you boil these tissues, um, the collagen inside them untwines, leaving you with gelatin molecules. Um, So what's happening when you cool gelatin down is the molecules are sort of trying to reform those twiny collagen patterns and sort of failing but failing deliciously. Oh, Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, collagen. Um, <laughs> on, on the jello pudding end, uh, cornstarches act similarly. Um, they're made up of raveled chains of starches instead of proteins. And when introduced to water, and especially when heated, um, those starches will unravel and grab up bits of liquid and then reform into like a semi-solid mesh. Um, I think refrigerating helps because it solidifies like wee bits of fat in there as well. But uh, I didn't I didn't look that closely into it. Cornstarch is going to have to be a whole different episode. Yes. Yeah. And I when, within it, I will share my what feels to me like a very complicated recipe of making gravy at Thanksgiving. But it's not it's not actually complicated. But it, revo- it involves cornstarch and moving things from heat into not heat and more heat. And, <laughs> and lots of whisking, I assume. Just continual lots whisking. Lots of whisking. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, what about the nutrition? Oh, uh, okay. D- Jello, like like the fruit-flavored gel, is low in fiber, pretty low in micronutrients does have a tiny bit of protein from the gelatin. Um, in terms of the puddings, milk is okay for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, gelatin may carry health benefits, um, like enough of it over enough of a period of time because like when gelatin supplements are taken, specifically with vitamin C, they've sometimes been shown to improve patients' blood levels of, like, the markers of collagen synthesis sometimes. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but, yeah, no, you should you should eat it because you like it at that point. And, like, certainly the addition of all kinds of sweeteners and other stuff is going to affect your nutritional value. Yeah. Sugar isn't good for you. Uh, artificial sweeteners also are not good for you. <laughs> so. Yeah. But it's a treat, and treats are nice. It, uh, yeah, and I know, like... I mean, we can debate the merits of this, and not, not in this podcast, but I know that Jell-O, uh, like the 
kind of prepackaged um, Jello cups. Called? The cups, yes. yeah, yeah. You. The prepackaged Jello cups. Um, they were big in like keto diets or, yeah. or similar diets, where that's like your treat, your snack. You yeah, have. yeah. Which again, if you like, oh yeah, go for it. Um, but for me, I'm always I'm I'm like Jello is not a dessert. To me. <laughs> I get that it technically is, but mm-hmm. in my book, no. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. If you have to be on a liquid diet, then yes. that's it's fine. Yeah, and I know people who love Jello, so oh sure. This is just my personal, my personal. Take. Eat what you like. Hmm. Uh, we do have some numbers for you. Uh, as you kind of alluded to, Lauren, uh, Jello has historically been a popular item in things like movies for achieving certain colors of t- or textures. I know it came up in like Wizard of Oz. That's how they mm, mm-hmm. dyed the horses uh, oh, high sure. that color. Um, a bunch of movies. Jello is a popular, popular thing to use. Yeah, uh, and and historically, um, it's been a popular food item. Um, in the 1980s, for example, American households consumed Jello on average uh, 13.5 times a year. Okay, not bad. Not yeah, bad. Not bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, the Guinness record for the most Jello. Although it could have, could have been unbranded, I'm not sure. Um, anyway, the the most Jello type product eaten with chopsticks in one minute was set in 2017 in Germany, which was for 716 grams of Jello, which is about 1.6 pounds. Um, I don't I don't know what flavor. <laughs> oh no! Wow, if someone knows. You gotta gotta tell us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh heck! Um, also, uh, uh, another another Google search for y'all. Um, in 2019, a former NASA JPL engineer, um, Mark Rober, Robber. Oh, I always forget how to say his name out loud. Anyway, um, former NASA JPL engineer designed a swimming pool filled with Jello, or like unsweetened red gelatin. Um, because he didn't want to waste food, uh, sugar being food. And he did this because, you know, who has not dreamed, especially as a child, of jumping into a pool full of jello? <laughs> Sounds terrible. Then you become the thing inside the oh, jello. Oh yeah. yeah. Everything is a horror story. That's yeah. What I'm telling you. The old like Mickey Mouse, like Jack and the Beanstalk <laughs> really dealt with that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> we really are uncovering a lot of stuff. In we are. We are just Ooh. like layers of an aspect. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, so so what, what happened here was the team set up um, an underground pool in Colorado and used six 55-gallon uh, drums that were fitted with these propane heating elements to heat the gelatin and water to 160 degrees um, and then uh, pipe it into the pool in layers and, and and used the cool outdoor overnight temperatures during this like three week sweet spot in late April. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> to progressively chill seven days worth of layers of gelatin until the pool was full. And there's a video. It's very charming. Um, so they went for a swim. 
And yeah, thing. yeah, it's it's very satisfying to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, congrats to them then. It didn't turn into a horror show for you. <laughs> no, no, not that time. Not that time. Not that time. <laughs> I do like the implication that Jello without sugar is not food. That kind of cracks me up. Uh, <laughs> 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 we do have quite a bit of history for you. Oh, we do. Heck. Um, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. 
which I think we did not mention, but Jell-O is currently not a sponsor. Oh, uh, no, no. We were just interested in the we're, subject yes. matter. Yeah. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> we always we always clarify if it is sponsored, but just yeah. to clarify even more. Yeah. We're yeah. just interested in these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but Jell-O, we're here, you know. Oh, yeah. Call us. <laughs> call, call us. <laughs> Hello, it's Jell-O on the line. <laughs> Oh, of course it would be Jello. Okay, okay, never mind. Oh All right. no! Oh dear! Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I'm already working on the title songs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, as we've discussed in previous episodes, gelatin was featured in popular dishes in Europe going back to at least the 14th century. Um, making gelatin at the time frequently was pretty time-consuming. Um, it involved this process of boiling the feet of animals, uh, and once that had set, flavorings were added to make the resulting mixture tasty. Right. And the earliest gelatins were savory. Um, Like spiced meat or fish dishes were what was up at fancy parties. Um, Like like either meat or fish covered in a layer of gelatin or, right, like an aspic-type thing that contained some of these elements. Um, And these were, right, very fancy parties. Like you had to take the skin and bones of animals or fish and boil them down and then settle and strain the resulting stock multiple times to get your gelatin and then use that to create a a coating or a mold containing whatever. Um, And refrigeration and or ice was expensive. So getting gelatin cold enough to gel was expensive. The ingredients these recipes called for, like saffron, were also like really pricey and showy. Mm-hmm. Out of all of this, uh, the word jelly or gelatin may have come from the Latin gelata, um, meaning frozen, indicating that the liquid and anything you put in it would be frozen in place. And this would be used to great visual effect. Uh, fish swimming in jelly. Um, and there was, this, um, and, and also this stuff was like sort of a preservative. Like by putting meat or vegetables into the gelatin, as long as you could keep it cool, it cut off bacteria's access to oxygen and thus prevented spoilage. Ah. Um, Sweet gelatin dishes appeared by the early 1600s, flavored with things like ginger and rose water or um, white wine and almonds. And a few other sources of gelatin and production methods were developed across the 16 and 1700s as well. Um, seaweed, uh, uh, fish bladders, isinglass, um, uh, steam and or pressure tech for creation of these things. And then technology leapt forward again in the early 1800s with the invention of industrial methods of uh, gelatin extraction. Right. Um, and then in 1845, Peter Cooper got to work on making a product that made gelatin easier for people to access. Um, and to do this, he ground up sheets of gelatin into powder. And he went on to secure a patent for what he called portable gelatin, um, which was a gelatin dessert powder that only needed hot water before it was ready to go. However, Cooper didn't do much to market the powder after that. Um, he sometimes sold it to cooks and chefs, but he didn't commercialize it at all. Yeah, he hadn't really been aiming to make a food item. He was more interested in glue. Yes, and pretty much every single article I read said he also did something with the steam engine. So he, he was an inventor. He, he was, he was. He got around. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of stuff. 
He did. Uh, But he was not the only one making strides in the gelatin field. Industrialists started using animal byproducts to create powdered gelatin products for like tanners and glue makers in the 1840s. And in 1890, Charles and Rose Knox started the Knox Company to sell powdered gelatin. Uh, Another competitor, uh, Royal, got their start in 1863. Yes, and this brings us to Pearl and May Waite, a married couple that ran a cough, syrup, and laxative business in Leroy, New York. Um, (laughs) I know, (laughs) we're nerds. Um, Uh, But (laughs) they were barely making ends meet with this business. And after years of struggling, they decided to focus on food because May was a big cook and she loved making desserts especially. Um, So they found the patent for powdered gelatin. Uh, And gelatin is pretty bland by itself usually, so they added some of the flavored syrups they used in their medications, uh, flavors like orange, lemon, strawberry, and raspberry. The addition of these syrups meant that their desserts were now almost 90% sugar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And the story goes that May named the product Jello, which was a combination of gelatin or, and or jelly with an O at the end, because apparently that was just a really popular way of naming things at the time. Yeah. Because it was both aesthetically pleasing and fairly easy to take a word and trademark it by adding the O, which I kind of <laughs> love. Like, just add an O onto it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Once again, though, the weights weren't really great at marketing. Uh, for this product, so they eventually sold the patent, recipes, and the name to their neighbor, Frank Woodward, for the equivalent of about $12,000 in today's money. Woodward was the owner of the Genesee Food Company, and he had a lot of experience in the world of marketing packaged food products. So he would send out these really nicely dressed salesmen uh, to homes to to offer free samples of this product. Uh, but uh-huh. yeah. Which I have, again, a horror show, I'm telling you. Anyway, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the people agreed with me because the dessert just was not catching on, even with this marketing uh, ploy. I don't know if that's the right word. Marketing scheme. Every word I'm thinking of is negative, even with this marketing idea. Um, Okay. And at one point, Woodward tried to sell the product to someone else for a mere $35. Uh, But the person refused. Oh, wow. No, thank you. Okay. All right. Um, But to boost the sales and the standing of Jell-O, the company did lean really hard into marketing. I believe uh, Woodward, like, put a lot of money into it. He was like, we've got to do something here. Um, (laughs) I'm stuck with this. We might as well. Yeah. Uh Let's really pull out all the stops. And one of the ads ran in a 1904 edition of Ladies Home Journal, and it called Jell-O America's favorite dessert. And these ads were incredibly successful. Uh, And sales shot up to $250,000, or about $6 million in today's money. Okay. This is like from this one ad campaign. Or that's what a lot of people attribute attribute it to anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Woodward wasn't done either and started printing Jell-O recipe books. Um, immigrants arriving to Ellis Island were sometimes handed Jell-O molds. The Jell-O girl, played by the daughter of ad legend Franklin King, um, and Franklin King worked for Woodward, was introduced in 1908 with the slogan, You can't be a kid without it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Around this time, uh, they were expanding their product line with flavors like cherry, peach, chocolate, and coffee. Coffee? Yeah. Only huh. in certain markets. 
Oh, of course. That won't fly <laughs> everywhere. No way. <laughs> um, Charles Knox promoted his gelatin at the 1904 World's Fair. And the next year, a Pennsylvania woman won third place in a cooking contest sponsored by Knox for a recipe she called Perfection Salad, ah. um, which was, quote, an aspic filled with finely chopped cabbage, celery, and red pepper. And I think we did talk about that in the aspic. Oh, yeah. Episode. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. Um, in 1972, James Beard wrote that this event, quote, unleashed a demand for congealed salads that has grown alarmingly, particularly in the suburbs. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up so much. Um, and that, quote, the jellied salad does have its delights, though, and it is without question an American innovation. And, yes, we are going to talk about that more in a second. Because mm-hmm. you know we could not. We could oh, not yeah. not. <laughs> must. We must. Yes. Uh, and 1904 was a big year for Jell-O because it was also the year a book came out calling for a bigger focus on calories and nutrients for patients in places like hospitals, as opposed to home-cooked meals often provided by nurses before then. And this this work had a really big impact on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jell-O did fit the, the bill for a liquid diet as well. And this is part of the reason they became a key prison food, too. Ah, oh, mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so thanks to this marketing, Jell-O did become a household name. And in 1924, the Genesee Food Company changed their name to the Jell-O Company. Also that year, they hired a pre-famous Norman Rockwell <laughs> to paint illustrations of Jell-O. Mm-hmm. As radio became more popular and accessible, Jell-O was one of the first companies to advertise on that platform, hiring Jack Benny for one of their very first radio ads. This was also something I didn't know what they were talking about, but it seems like everyone else did. But it's a jingle. The Jell-O jingle. Uh, But he did it. Jack Benny did it. I'm sure you all know what what it is, but I don't. (laughs) Is it just the J-E-L-L-O? I think so. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow. Very simple. Um, (laughs) (laughs) During World War One, Jell-O sales were negatively impacted by the rationing of sugar, but they shot up again after the war, in part because Jell-O products were fairly cheap. When lime Jell-O was introduced in the 1930s, the popularity of dishes like jellied salads only further increased. I know we talked about that in our aspect Mm -hmm. episode two. Whole cookbooks were written about lime jello and how to use it as a savory base for salads. In 1936, the company started offering instant chocolate pudding, a powdered mix made with milk, um, and other flavors of pudding soon followed after that. In 1942, a Coca-Cola-flavored powder was briefly introduced because of the popularity of the Southern Coca-Cola salad. Uh-huh. Oh. A gelled salad made with Coke, but it didn't last long. Yeah, it was out by the end of the year, I think. Yeah. 1942. Yeah. <laughs> big year, big year for Coca-Cola Jello salads. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the only year, in fact. Yes, the only year indeed. Uh, <laughs> the Jello plant in Leeward closed in 1946 when production was taken over by what is now Kraft Foods. According to legend, uh, Jello shots were invented in the 50s as a way to shirk alcohol restrictions on an army base by singer and songwriter Tom Lehrer. And I did not look (laughs) further than that. I think that could be a whole thing. Yeah. But that is what the, like, brief search I did said. Okay. Okay. I'm willing to accept that it is a legend that exists. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So now let's let's get to the the jellied salads. Let's do it. (laughs) 
Okay, here we here we go. Yes, I'm so excited. Um, as we've discussed in multiple episodes, the Jello salad was the prize of the American table from the 50s to about the 80s. As it was going downhill by probably the 70s, but like, oh, and I, I you know what? It's like the 30s to the 80s, but it, the, I think the 50s was its real time. Heyday, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes, and these were both savory and sweet. Uh, though, yeah, they were popular even before that because we've been talking about them throughout. Um, and in the 1930s, about one-third of most American recipe books um, were dedicated to jelly salads, which blows my mind. And now I want to get my hand on these recipe books. Oh, yeah. No, there I have at least one in my personal cookbook collection, and they are glorious. Um, terrifying and glorious. I love it. I want to yeah. see it, Lauren. I want to see it. <laughs> I'll try to remember to bring one to our next D&D game. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, now that would be a D&D meal. <laughs> oh, no. We could get oh. creative with that one. They would <laughs> be so mad at us. Okay. All right. Yes. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, this whole jelly salad idea was sort of wrapped up in the realm of domestic science, which was also called home economics, mm-hmm. because gelatin was typically viewed as difficult. Jello, though, was a relatively cheap way to achieve the impression that you'd put a lot of time and effort into something and that you were well off enough to afford a big enough refrigerator for mm-hmm. these jellied salads um, and also the time to make them. And to be clear, women did often put a lot of effort into the presentation. That was like the key. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a really strange and interesting balancing act of saving time and money, but appearing like you hadn't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very interesting. Um, it was also seen as new and sciencey and visually pleasing. And yes, I know, but it was seen <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. Even even the most the the term that gained popularity popularity on the internet, I think, from a Facebook group, perhaps, is uh, aspects with threatening auras. <laughs> yes. And threat. Threatening aura is definitely the correct terminology for some of these molded salads. Yes. Yes. I, like I said, I was horrifying my friend just sending her picture after picture. And my favorite are like the the mold that's shaped like a fish and it has like anchovies in it. Yeah. Like the one, there's like lamb ones. Yeah. I, it is threatening. You're right. I, yeah. I, one of the recipes that I was just looking up called for boiling lamb hearts and then slicing them thin as mm. though you're in the cell <laughs> and <laughs> and then using them to line a mold this is from like 1904 i was like okay <laughs> mm-hmm. wow at any rate please continue yeah oh wow no you've really put an image in my head so i'm sorry <laughs> let me shake myself out of it for a second um Yes. Oh, also, they have really great names. They have really, really great yeah, names a lot usually. of time. So, yeah. again, hi, we cannot recommend enough. Please look it up. Um, it was also, this dish was also viewed as a cleaner option than a traditional salad. Like, it didn't mess with the lines of your plate. Like, it didn't, I don't know. It wasn't messy. Uh, or that was the view, anyway. Yeah. The company's advertising really leaned into it being a, quote, pure product, like a clean products and this was mm-hmm. kind of based on like the jungle and fears about what was in people's food and all that yeah. stuff um 
And they were also seen as quite a feminine food. Um, according to a book by Knox, for example, uh, it was a dainty food for dainty people. Again, a lot of them are terrifying. Yeah. So, I Some dainty things are also terrifying, though. True. So there you go. <laughs> Very true, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> During the 1960s, Jell-O debuted savory flavors like celery, mixed vegetable, and Italian salad. But within a decade, flagging sales meant the company stopped selling those flavors. A lot of it had to do with changing views around dieting and sugar. Jell-O salads were replaced with salads of mixed greens. As women were entering the workplace, um, but were also still largely responsible for preparing meals, uh, they sought out newly available, more convenient options like microwavable meals. Um, and that, that microwavable meals had improved a lot by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, in response, Jell-O leaned back into being a dessert and started offering products like pudding and gelatin pops, and they hired Bill Cosby as their spokesperson. Uh, pudding pops were specifically introduced in 1979, and gelatin pops after that, and they were pretty popular for a few years. And this strategy was successful, and it substantially boosted Jell-O sales. Cosby voiced for the product for over 30 years, and it is one of the longest-running celebrity endorsements of all time. Um, After his conviction in 2018, he became the first person ever kicked out of the American Advertising Federation, and one of the first meals he was served in prison included Jell-O. That makes me very happy. (laughs) Yeah. I... Because throw that whole man away. Um, <laughs> but, yep. Yep. Also, anyone else who's been watching The Boys, that one line made me laugh harder than many other things in the history of laughing. Um, Annie, <laughs> I don't think you've you've gotten there yet. So no oh, spoilers. I did it. Oh, I did it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> When I start something, I don't stop. That's why I put off starting it so long. <laughs> mm. Well, Whew. anyway, Jello went an opposite way. We'll say than the boys did. Yes, because yes, a part of this whole thing was a purposeful effort by the company to market their products as family friendly, mm-hmm. um, and pivot away from things like Jello shots and Jello wrestling, which came into existence in the 1980s. And I want to talk about on stuff I've never told you because I had never Ooh. heard about it. Oh my goodness, no. And wow. Yeah. Never heard of it. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm learning a oh. lot in this Jello episode. <laughs> oh man. i I'm like, am I just really old? No. I, have I <laughs> No. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like there was a period during like the late 80s, early 90s where you couldn't watch a, a pop culture thing for teenagers. That was talk that 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 didn't mention Jello wrestling. Like it was such a pervasive joke. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I I intend to learn more about it. (laughs) (laughs) I was very Uh, curious. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's a different podcast. That's that's a whole different whole different rabbit hole. Uh Yes, indeed it is. All right. Um, Oh, speaking of, this is really interesting. Um, In 1974, a Dr. Adrian Upton set about proving that an EEG shouldn't be the only method for determining if a human is alive. 
by attaching a green lime dome of jello to an EEG. Um, and sure enough, just like an awake human would, it sent alpha waves. The Which headlines. doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the jello was alive. It means that EEG doesn't signal life. Right. But the headlines were hilarious about it. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> I approve. Yes. <laughs> that your jello is alive and it's coming for you. <laughs> I Well, there there was also um oh goodness, it wouldn't have been in the seven or actually I'm not sure when. Oh, did I did I note when jigglers entered the market? Well, okay, there was this one marketing campaign for Jigglers, I think for Jigglers, that um, that incorporated the phrase, it's alive. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and, oh, and I don't think I have a note in it, in here about when Jigglers hit the scene. I think it was in, like, later in the 70s, and I don't think that that specific ad campaign happened until the 90s. But, again, I'm, like, going on completely whatever is happening in my memories, which... <laughs> Is not is not reliable. <laughs> I um, love it, but anyway, I don't. I def- definitely still have a version of that J E L L O. It's alive, like jingle <laughs> in my head. I love it. I love I can't it. remember my phone number all the time, but that is that large. is cemented. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um. At any rate, uh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, during the diet trends of like the 80s through the early 2000s, uh, Jell-O launched sugar-free and low-fat versions of their mixes and prepared products. And I had to put a note in about this. Okay, do y'all remember Jell-O One Two Three? This was a <laughs> this was a single packet that like you you did like whatever it said on the package, and it would separate out into three distinct layers, like. Like a like a jelly layer and like a slightly um, more opaque layer, and then this layer of like foam on top. What? And I was obsessed with these when I was a kid. This was like eighty nine through ninety six, and that was it. That was it. That was it. <laughs> mm. oh. But yeah, no, I I did not remember them until I came across product photos, and then I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> hmm, yeah, that, that one escaped me, but I bet I would have liked it. I like that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Jell-O was famously featured in the 1993 film Jurassic Park, and yes, I still can't believe it came out in 93 and not 94. My life is a lie, because I said that so confidently in the past episode. A oh. lot of you wrote in, were like, no, it wasn't 94, <laughs> it was 93, but you did it in a much more polite way than the voice I just did not Oh, it. oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Which... Because uh, I used that as a marker of my life. That's when I moved. Oh. Jurassic Park. Oh, my life is a lie. At any rate, by this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, by this point, Jell-O Pops, uh, Popsicles, were off the market. Um, and by the early 2000s, Kraft General gave up on their quiescently frozen dessert line and licensed the Jell-O name to competitor Popsicle, which if you read... The opinions on the internet never did anything appropriate with the Jell-O brand because Jell-O <laughs> pops were terrific and Jell-O branded popsicles are stupid. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, uh, strong opinions. So. You know we do. 
<laughs> I do remember really loving uh, uh, Jello pudding pops and also Jello gelatin pops when I was a kid. So at any rate, mm-hmm. um, sparkling white grape flavor was introduced in 1997 to celebrate the hundredth anniversary of Jello. Ah, uh, and then. A Utah state representative introduced the resolution urging Jell-O recognition in 2001, pushing for Jell-O to be recognized as the state's official snack. And the resolution passed uh, pretty close to unanimously, I believe, uh, in part because Jell-O is incredibly popular within the Mormon community in Utah. Um, Sales figures from that time indicated that Salt Lake City, Utah, was the largest consumer of Jell-O. And when that city hosted the 2002 Winter Olympics, they offered a much prized green jello pen that quickly sold out and became something of a collector's item. People are very wow. determined to find them. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> oh, I love product pens and how how very devoted yes. people are to them. Agreed. <laughs> Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Jell-O sales have been in decline for the past couple of decades. Um, for example, from 2009 to 2014, uh, sales declined about like like almost 20 percent across across the brand. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they've certainly seen a lot of ups and downs. So I believe Jell-O's not out for the count. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I think they were using the slogan like America's most famous dessert yeah. starting in the early 1900s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it has been a long time since then. So. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Well, listeners, we would love to hear if you've got any recipes for Oh, yes. aspics. Oh molds, my goodness. Pictures. Oh, yes. And also if we didn't talk about your favorite uh media example of jello being used uh love that as well yeah any any related story as as you can tell this is a topic that we are excited about because (laughs) it just goes in so many different directions and all of them are weird (laughs) yes all of them are weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's our brand pretty much (laughs) yep So, so yes that's about what we have to say about jello for now But we do have some listener mail for you, uh, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listeners. Listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to do an Adele pun, then I was like, we can't do Adele. Oh, no, we cannot. No, no, no way. And then I was like, I could do the TikTok thing, but Lauren already said she doesn't know what it is. Yeah, 0%. No, no clue. Okay. But that would have been hard to do anyway. Like, even if you had known what it is. All right. It's It's like a song on there that's, my money don't jiggle jiggle. We sound so old right now. But anyway. Uh, it's very popular. It was very popular. I think it's out. So we're already behind the trend. Oh, all right. All right. Sorry. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah. Hope you appreciated that roller coaster. <laughs> I'm okay with being old and lame. That's fine. That's fine for me. We're happy where we are. We're yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Cecilia wrote. I am in France now and go down to the local shop to get a baguette tradition most mornings. The shop isn't open on Mondays. Um, Our little village used to have a bakery, but it closed. Now we have a depot de pain, which means a truck brings fresh bread in every morning. We actually think this bread tastes better than the bread we used to get from the bakery. The two of us consume one baguette per day, which corresponds exactly with what you said, that the average Frenchman eats half a baguette a day. (laughs) (laughs) I had thought that the weight of a baguette was controlled by law, but my reading this morning indicates that it can vary between 180 and 250 grams, but must be within 4 grams of the posted weight. The price is not controlled either, but there are so many bakeries that if one baker charged too much, folks would just go to another bakery. (laughs) 
In French, the term baguette refers to the shape and the weight of a loaf of bread. You can buy a skinnier loaf that tastes the same but weighs only 125 grams. This would be a ficelle in most parts of France or a fatter loaf, 400 grams, called un flute. So this would be why the world record baguette was not made in France. In France, that is no longer a baguette. (laughs) As I alluded to, the taste varies from baker to baker. If Annie doesn't get excited about baguettes, it's because she hasn't had a good one. (laughs) I try to restrict my carbs when at home, but I just can't resist the baguettes we get here. I always buy un baguette tradition. These cost slightly more, 1.25 euros or about $1.30 than a regular baguette, but they are made in a more traditional way. The time the dough rises is longer, and the baguette tradition cannot include any additives or be frozen at any time during its production. These regulations obviously apply only to commercial bakers in France. The taste and texture of the baguette tradition is, in our opinion, much better than an ordinary baguette and worth a few extra cents. French bread may be made from various types of flour and include whole grains. Again, the term baguette refers to the shape and weight of the loaf, not the ingredients. I thought I would see what the French sites say about the origin of the long skinny shape, but they mostly mention the stories you told and say though it was probably not Napoleon, they really don't know the origin of the shape. I (laughs) might mention one more trivial thing. If I ask for un baguettes, I will get an ordinary baguette with no wrapper and carry it home in my bare hand. But when I buy un baguette to this young, she puts it in a paper bag that is slightly shorter than the loaf. I don't know why this is. Uh, (laughs) Your podcasts always put a smile on my face and I always learn something from them. Oh, thank you. And we always learn something from from you, Cecilia, to you other listeners. Um, That's fascinating. I love that makes sense about the world record now. Yeah. That yeah. Makes... Yeah. France is like, well, that's not a heckin' baguette anymore. So yeah. take the world record, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very side eye, I suspect. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no. All of that. If I had, if I had like walking distance access to fresh baked baguette every morning, that is also what I would eat every morning. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds lovely. It sounds really lovely. Uh, And clearly, I just need to try more baguettes. Yeah, clearly. 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 (laughs) Also, I would assume that the inclusion of the paper bag is because you are paying the extra couple of cents. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, throw it in there. Right. I have noticed (laughs) that, too. I haven't had enough baguettes to, like, pick up on when or why. But I have noticed, like, sometimes they don't put it in anything they just hand it to you and other times yeah they kind of they're like here up. you go yeah. here's your baguette you asked for one here it is uh, oh, okay yeah oh <laughs> <sighs> hmm. they're like oh it's not gonna last long enough for you to need a bag <laughs> just... yeah i'm trying to remember to lee's bakery we have a korean not korean we have a vietnamese bakery in atlanta where they give up they sell baguettes yeah i can't remember if they put them in a bag or not i think they just kind of hand them to you <laughs> oh i don't remember either right now how strange it's been it's been a while since i've just gone and gotten bread uh, <laughs> that wasn't already made into a banh mi or something mm-hmm. um oh man those like day old kind of stale ones so good yeah. anyway all right all right um paul wrote your recent episode about sardines brought back fond memories of me and my dad I grew up in the late 1950s and early 60s. Uh, On Saturdays, my dad and I hung out because my mom worked on that day. Sometimes we would have a picnic lunch on our back porch. Our lunch menu consisted of saltines, canned sardines, cheddar cheese slices, sweet gherkins, um, and if we needed a vegetable, a cold can of pork beans. 
Two pals hanging out. What fun. <laughs> I love that. That sounds I love fun. that so much. Yeah. Oh, that sounds so delightful. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a salty, delicious, refreshing meal. Right. Um, yeah. I love how many people, a lot of you have written in about sardines, and that makes us very happy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I, I feel like it can be... I, I I know so many humans who like either like don't like fish or don't like strong fish flavors mm-hmm. or who like have a kind of personal uh, reticence to try like different canned products. Um, and so, right, all the love for it is very much appreciated. It is. It is. Um, so thank you to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.